2018 You need to be seen It's time to come to the aid of America In 2018 Be part of the team It's time to come to the aid of America Go to the polls and cast your vote Welcome to Your Voting Guide by the League of Women Voters This is Vivian Hart And I will be your host on behalf of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson the League is a nonpartisan organization. That means that we do not support any political party or candidate. However, we do encourage citizens to be informed about and active in our government, and that's why we have this show. The goal of this program is to present unbiased information about the candidates, the issues, and our voting process relating to the upcoming midterm election on November 6th. Be sure to vote on November 6th. We will be speaking today with Betsy Bolding, who will brief us on the ballot propositions. Enjoy. Hello, this is Vivian Hart, and I am the president-elect of the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. And I am here today with Betsy Bolding, one of our members who's been a member for many, many years and had, she's had many responsibilities in the League. Betsy is the chair of our Speakers Bureau and you are the expert on the propositions that are going to be on the ballot this coming November. Guess we're going to find out if I'm the expert. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, before we get into the propositions that will be on the ballot, would you please tell me about the ones that didn't make it to the ballot? You know, Vivian, I think it's really important to talk about those two, the Invest in Ed and the Outlaw Dirty Money propositions, because these are total grassroots efforts that people worked very, very hard for with a lot of passion and a lot of enthusiasm, and they were eliminated from the ballot at the last minute by the uh, Arizona Supreme Court much to the disappointment of lots of people. They had the sufficient number of signatures, but not always valid signatures. So in the outlaw dirty money issue, the signatures were questioned, and some of the petition passer, the people who gathered the petitions, were found to be not quite right, and they were their whole petitions were thrown off. People have worked very, very hard at the grassroots level, as I said, to outlaw the dirty money. We've all been upset about the fact of so much major funding, big money comes in from everywhere, and who knows, to impact our elections. The Invest in Ed was a different situation that it didn't make it through the Supreme Court challenge. It won in the various lower courts, but when it went to the Supreme Court, it didn't, and that had to do with the wording of the proposition itself. But you can always tell who's kind of against those by who's bringing the court cases and so forth. Those two are real losses to the people who work so hard for them. And in the case of the Invest for Ed, the teachers. They're very disappointed in what the legislature and the governor did at the last minute. And they didn't have much time to do that, to gather those petitions. They filed on April 27th. They were due in like a couple of months. And that's really hard to gather. We do have some that did make the ballot. <laughs> All right. Proposition 125, I don't talk a lot about. This was referred by the legislature, but this is a change in the retirement systems for the elected officials and correctional officers. And frankly, there are good arguments on both sides of that particular issue, but it's something that a lot of people aren't going to take a great, I mean, 
correction officers and elected officials will care a lot about this. It changes their regular constitutional payments of a certain amount that increases every year to COLA payments. Cost of living, whatever cost of living is, is all they're going to get. So it's quite a bit less for retirement of those people. The arguments for it are that the state's running out of money and the funds that manage the pensions and can't afford to do particularly pay out when they aren't earning so much. And so it's a real challenge. But the arguments against it are that people who have worked, and correction officers particularly, who have worked all their lives with the expectation Mm -hmm. of a pension shouldn't have it taken away from them at the last minute or after the fact. What the story is, and and a lot of this comments on the uh, Secretary of State website and those people who are against it say that correctional officers are sort of the low rung of all of the public safety officers Mm -hmm. and that without a promise of a pension, they probably are going to have a hard time finding people to do those jobs. Oh, that's interesting. Good arguments on both sides. Mm -hmm. Really. The League of Women Voters has no opinion on that one. Correct. We're neutral on that one. Okay, Proposition 126, the Protect Arizona Taxpayers Act. Well, that's a very clever name for what this proposition is. And you know how people name these propositions have a lot to do with whether they pass or not. So this is very, very cleverly done. This is the one that the realtors primarily gathered the petitions for. And what it does is it will prohibit any state, county, city, any kind of governmental entity from ever, ever passing taxes on any services. And of course... That's the way it is now. No, no. Tell me. But people don't, people ordinarily don't. What we do is tax goods with a sales tax. And there are certain categories of services that have been taxed, but generally services haven't. I mean, services run from hospital visits and doctor visits to getting your nails done to, you know, the range of services you could go on forever. This would prevent taxing services or increasing current taxes on any services that are already taxed forever. Arguments against? The uh, people from the Grand Canyon Institute created some arguments which indicate essentially that elected officials and others need the flexibility to raise revenue when they need it. Uh, their argument is that the state already has a revenue problem. We don't have enough revenue to fund the things that need to be funded. Mm-hmm. And that your elected officials at every level need opportunity to raise money and need the flexibility to figure out how to do it. Another argument is that we will have to keep increasing sales tax on goods if we're unable to tax services. And Arizona is a service economy, pretty much. Mm -hmm. You know, we have tourism and we have all of these kinds of things that are more service than goods, um, than things. If we can't tax services here and there, certain categories of services, those that might not be such a burden on lower income people, you know, like spas or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trips to fly in an airplane over the Grand Canyon or whatever it is. Those are all services. Our leaders should be able to figure out some of those that aren't a great impact on people and to be able to tax them. And the other argument against is that this is a forever thing. Mm -hmm. And nearly everybody would say that 
most issues like this need to be reevaluated in a certain number of years. And of course, the arguments for it is that it's going to save people money mm-hmm. and that they won't ever have to be threatened with having to pay a tax on their hairdos or their services that they have. Or realtors that yeah. are helping them buy a home. <laughs> and realtors and everything. Mm-hmm. All the services, though, when you think right. of services, I mean, consultants and so forth, mm-hmm. I've, all kinds of things are mm-hmm. included in that. All right. Now, and the League of Women Voters does not have a position on that either, I believe. No, and this one came out quite late, and people really weren't aware of the collecting of the petitions on this. I mean, it was quite a surprise when it came out and was on the ballot. The next one is Proposition 127. Now, you used to work for TEP. I did. And so this one is Clean Energy for a Healthy Arizona. In fact, Betsy and I know each other from many, many years ago. (laughs) I used to be the chair of the Arizona Solar Energy Association in the state, and I would have booths around town educating people about solar energy, and I met Betsy because she would have booths for TEP, (laughs) and we'd be right next to each other, and we saw each other then. Years later, we're members of the League of Women Voters together and (laughs) helping each other in in the uh, Speakers Bureau. You can speak well about this one, too, I'm sure. The Clean Energy for a Healthy Arizona, Proposition 127. What this would do, Vivian, is to require that by 2030, 50% of energy that electric utilities obtain, whether they generate it or buy it, they have to have renewables. It has to be from renewable energy. And the proposition also defines the various renewable energies that are acceptable or that it can come from. This is a very popular grassroots effort that environmentalists and people in the in the communities put together. It's the other one on the ballot that did make the ballot. There were lawsuits. Arizona Public Service has been the primary funder of those lawsuits, and Arizona Public Service is the largest utility in the state. Now, a little background on that is that the Arizona Corporation Commission has a certain restriction or need for renewable energy for the last decade on the utilities that are regulated by the Arizona Corporation Commission. Salt River Project, the second largest utility in the state, is not regulated. SRP, we call it SRP. Yeah, SRP and APS and TEP. That's right. This also covers the smaller cooperatives from around the state which are oftentimes owned by the members, but they are regulated by the Arizona Corporation Commission. So what are the arguments for and against this proposition? Well, from the utilities' point of view, the arguments against are that they can't do this this quickly, that they're moving in a slow pace to do what they can to integrate more uh, renewable energy into their mix but it's too quick and it would cost the utilities quite a bit and that they would raise rates to some extent. And Tom Steyer, who is California millionaire who has funded this project, there's a lot of argument that that's the reason it's bad. Why should a California person decide how we should manage our energy here in Arizona mm-hmm. and spend all that money on it? So those are the arguments pretty much against it. I was going to quote one. Here, we all pay the price, and not just on our electric bills. Over the last five years, solar jobs grew nine times faster than the overall economy. One in 
12 Arizona children suffer from asthma and other bronchial diseases. That's one of the main arguments of the people, that it's clean air, it's healthier air, and so forth. That's why it's called Clean Energy for a Healthy Arizona. So actually what's happening is the utilities will pay more. Because it gets passed on. Yeah, to the customers. Mm -hmm. But people who have asthma and problems, bronchial problems, aren't going to end up paying less because they won't have the medical bills. That's an apt argument. (laughs) That's actually a... And then, of course, if we're talking about global climate change, then we're also talking about it's helping the planet. It's happening here in Arizona. This is one of the ways to slow down global climate change. I think you're right. And as you speak relatively knowledgeably about the arguments in favor of this, the League of Women Voters also has a position on this that favors it. It will be a very interesting, I mean, there's going to be a lot of money spent Mm -hmm. on this, but I'd like, again, I'm just going to read these things. The groups that support Proposition 127, which is clean energy, is Of course, the sponsor, Clean Energy for a Healthy Arizona, the Arizona Democratic Party, a group called CHIPSA, which has to do with children and with disability, Conservatives for a Responsible Stewardship, Natural Resources Defense Council, the Conservative Alliance for Solar Energy, Santa Cruz Valley Climate Coalition, Citizens Climate Lobby, Progressive Democrats of America. So you can get the sense of who's doing that. More groups that support it are the Asthma Coalition, Union of Concerned Mm -hmm. Scientists, Arizona Public Health Association. You can see the kinds of people who support this, and it's a very grassroots group and effort. Some of the groups that oppose it, I think it's only fair to note, and you get a sense of things here. Arizonans for Affordable Energy, Arizona Free Enterprise Club, Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry. East Valley Partnership, Arizona Republican Party, the Goldwater Institute, Arizona Hispanic Chamber, Tucson Hispanic Chamber, Greater Phoenix Urban League, Valley Partnership, Arizona Manufacturers Council, East Valley Partnership, Black Chamber of Commerce, Greater Yuma Economic Development Corporation, and so forth. These groups are a lot of people who are in industry where big companies with big factories where the electric bill's going up is going to make a huge impact on their economic output. And I think that's indicative of the opposition Mm -hmm. to this, in addition to Arizona Public Service. Again, good arguments on both sides. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely the case. That's true. This is Vivian Hart, and I'm interviewing Betsy Boulding with the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. All right, the next proposition, Proposition 305, Empowerment Scholarship Accounts, Uh, also known as ESAs. Absolutely. Also known as vouchers. Vouchers. There is a distinction, actually, between the two of those but that has been defined by law. But a little background here is that in 2011, the Arizona State Legislature passed a law that provided vouchers or empowerment scholarship accounts to parents of children with disabilities, allowing those parents to move their children out of public school into a private school or other school that offers more accommodations for children with disabilities, more programs, more more appropriate place for their children. Mm-hmm. 
And 90% of the state funding that would go to them in the public schools moves with them to whatever school they go to. So that was in 2011. So in 2017, the legislature passed a bill, Senate Bill 1431, that opened up these empowerment scholarship accounts or vouchers to all public school children to move wherever they wanted to and have the money follow them. And so obviously that's quite controversial. The argument, of course, in favor of that is that parents should be able to make up their minds where their kids go to school and they shouldn't have to be stuck in public schools. People sometimes can't make those decisions, but the people who can this would be a huge amount of money that would help pay for, say, a private school so people who already afford private schools can pay less. Mm -hmm. But the argument is that it allows lower-income people to go to private schools and so forth. So this is very controversial. And that Senate bill uh, had some lawsuits that kept it from being implemented. So the legislature has put this on the ballot, and so a yes vote is going to uphold that legislation, Senate Bill 1431, that supports expanding empowerment scholarship accounts to all Arizona students. A no vote would eliminate Senate Bill 1431 and maintain the current status quo for ESAs, which is, of course, for children with disabilities. If you pass it, this Senate bill goes into effect, and if it fails, it doesn't go into effect. The argument against it, I imagine, is that it's going to hurt the public schools. Right. Because people will be pulling their kids out of public schools and taking them on to private right. schools. That we all already have an underfunded public school system. This just makes it worse. Instead of expanding it, we should be taking that money, if the legislature thinks we have that money, you know, and fixing up the schools, improving things the way they are, paying teachers and so forth. But the people against it are hoping for a no vote. But the argument for a yes vote, this is from the Debbie Lesko, Senator Debbie Lesko, who proposed this bill in the first place in 2017. It's misleading and disingenuous to say you're stealing money from the public schools to give to private schools. When critics say this is somehow going to destroy public education, as we know it, I think it's ridiculous and over-the-top allegations. These people must think the district schools are so terrible that all these parents are going to pull their kids out of district public schools and sign them up for ESAs, while most public school parents are happy. That is her justification for changing the law. It's interesting to know who is uh, in favor and who's against this, these so-called vouchers. People who are supporting it, the bishops of the Arizona Catholic Conference, their position is that parents should have a right to choose where their people want to go. Arizona Free Enterprise Club, Center for Arizona Policy, Republican Party of Mesa, Majority of Arizona State Senate and House, the majority of the legislature, and then a number of individuals. I need to point out really clearly that these groups that I've mentioned are groups that have filed formally, officially, their positions at the Arizona Secretary of State's office. And so when there are few, it means that doesn't mean that a lot of people don't support or 
or uh, object to something. It just means that they didn't have a great group going on to the Arizona Secretary of State's office Mm -hmm. to formally express themselves. And when someone puts an opinion into the Secretary of State's office, they have to pay, I think, $75 to put that opinion in. Yes, but they also can be sponsored. I see. And oftentimes they are. And that's really something I didn't talk about, about the uh, Energy for Healthy Arizona. I should mention, on the other hand, the people who are opposing Proposition 305, the ESAs. Save Our Schools, of course, the Arizona PTA, Secular Coalition for Arizona, National Organization for Women, Friends of the ASBA, which is the Arizona School Board Association, League of Women Voters Arizona, Voices in Education, Greater Phoenix Leadership, Stand for Children, Southern Arizona Leadership, and a number of individuals. So it's very clear to see the points on each side of that particular issue. So like you say, the League of Women Voters for our state did express this at the Secretary of State's office. Right, and encourages a no vote on this proposition. Absolutely. And the very last proposition is Proposition 306, related to the Arizona Clean Elections Act. Right. What this does is it strengthens the decision that people who get clean elections money, which is public money, can't pass it on to a political party or other organizations that influence elections. It also takes away some power from the Citizens Clean Election Commission, which is a nonpartisan group, and uh, gives it to a newly formed regulatory group that is appointed by the governor. So those are the two changes in that. This is referred to the people because the clean election system was created by the people. So to make a change, the people also have to vote for that change. In uh, 1998, on the ballot was Proposition 200, which created clean elections. And it was the idea that if you gave some public funding to candidates, they would not be beholden to people who contributed to their campaigns, and it would bring more integrity to the electoral system, and it might even generate more participation in the electoral process, you know people would be less suspect of politicians because they weren't taking big money from people. And And actually what happened, as I understand it, is that more minorities and more women started to run because of it. Right. number of people who could not probably have afforded to run ran, and many of them were elected and have been very uh, capable and fine legislators. Of course, one of the off arguments against it is that we're just letting anybody run for office, Mm -hmm. which is not a very populist (laughs) point of view. The changes are kind of subtle, though, and it's hard for people to understand exactly what these changes could mean, because the wording is kind of esoteric for the average voter. Well, let me just read one of the arguments for it from Representative Athena Salmon from Phoenix, explains that A lot of these changes have already been made internally by the uh, Citizens Clean Election Commission, that they realize the complaints, they realize what this group has been accused of, and they've made a lot of changes to make things more open, to make things more transparent, to make some of the changes so that you can't use that money to hire consultants and so forth. 
and their argument is no changes are really needed. This is just a backdoor effort to try to weaken the clean election system. And also by taking away the authority of the Clean Elections Commission and giving it to another regulatory group that doesn't have the interest at heart to regulate things. It doesn't have the public's interest. They're not greatly in favor of it, perhaps. Whereas the Clean Elections Commission, though it's nonpartisan, is uh, obviously trying to do the best for the system and for the candidates and so forth. We are talking about the clean elections changes, and the argument in favor of Proposition 306 is that the clean election system has enabled fine people who are not beholden to uh, political parties or special interests to be elected to the legislature. Some of them may not have been able to afford it without taxpayer funding. However, the law is subject to abuse by candidates who get the taxpayer money and then turn around and transfer some or most of it to the very political parties and special interests this law was intended to circumvent. This measure closes the loophole. That's an argument in favor of it because they want to change it. Argument against is... Proposition 306 is an attempt to fool voters into gutting the Citizens' Election Commission and undermining the popular anti-corruption law and the benefit of wealthy special interests. It eliminates the Commission's independence and its authority to enforce the law and instead gives the final say to the Governor's Regulatory Review Council, a hyper-partisan group stacked with corporate elites and professional political operatives. Definitely not an independent review council at all. Quite the opposite. Supporters of 306 love their dark money, and those donors want to see them to be able to operate, just like they did before the commission was and clean elections were started in 1998. That's very biased, but that's what arguments for and against things are supposed to be. Do you have a list of the groups who are for and against Prop 306? Well, the group supporting Prop 306 is Americans for Prosperity and a number of individuals around the state. And the groups against are the League of Women Voters, as you mentioned, although that's not on the website, and uh, a number of other organizations that support a more openness in government and It would be the outlaw dirty money people, you know, the kinds of people who don't want big money in government and want the clean elections to continue, probably groups who supported clean elections originally. So the League of Women Voters encourages a no vote on both Propositions 305 and 306. Betsy, thank you so much for being with us today. You know so much about the propositions. I am so impressed. Well, I may not really know that much because these are very complex things. And quite frankly, different sides try to encourage or almost trick people into misunderstanding so that they vote their way by the way they name things and the wording they use. They're very complicated. And I think that the public has a real challenge to figure out which side to be on. And that's why a lot of people look at the groups 
that support or object right. or oppose to, to these propositions. And that's why it's good to have you on the show to explain it to our listeners. Well, or to confuse them. I'm, <laughs> I hope we can explain. That's wonderful. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you have learned something about the ballot issues and thinking about how to vote on those. You've been listening to Betsy Bolding, League member, on KXCI 91.3 FM. Tune in next week, and we'll cover more important election information. All episodes of this series are on kxci.org after they have been broadcast. This show is recorded and produced by Amanda Schager. You can learn more about the League of Women Voters at our website, lwvgt.org. Be sure to vote on November 6th.